0: All right, so hey, we started, um, next week we're going to start a, a, a new book of the Bible. We'll be in 1 Peter and then go to 2 Peter. Uh, we just finished James, but in between all of that, God kind of brought up uh, Daniel chapter 2. He uh, wanted us to do Daniel chapter 2, and um, the, the point of all of Daniel chapter 2 is that obstacles become opportunities when you trust an omnipotent God. I dare you to say that three times fast. Chris, can you do it three times fast? You do all right, good, good, good. Three times fast, man. Y'all try that later. But seriously, if you remember that, obstacles, are opportunities, God's brought them in our life. He's been really harping on me. There's a verse out of, out of uh, Hebrews a lot this week. I've been sharing this with a lot of people that uh, he says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So think about all that. Uh, in, in order to have faith, you got to have a situation that requires what, Zane? Faith. So, how many times when you require when you have a situation in your life that's too hard for you that requires faith, right? And but how many times when you get a situation that requires faith, the first thing you do is you pray and you ask God to take it away. How many of y'all have done that before? You get a situation too big. God, please take this away. God, please make it easy. Please make it so I can handle this. So I can do it in my own strength. That's kind of our human nature. Instead of seeing it from the perspective of God, where He says, "Dude." I'm giving you the situation that you have no solution for, that seems impossible, but is impossible. It's impossible for you. And man, just get tight with me. Hold on for the ride, man. And I will give you faith to get through it. And when everybody sees you get through it, knowing that you couldn't do it, who gets the glory and credit? God does. So quit praying those situations away. And that's how obstacles turn into opportunities. It's an obstacle because, dude, I can't do anything about it. I don't know what to do about it, but we try anyways, don't we? Destiny, you ever try to fix something you can't fix? And what ends up happening? You make a what? A mess. Yeah. Anybody ever made a mess? Yeah. Yeah. By trying to fix something we can't fix, instead of waiting on God, drawing closer to God. Because if this is you and this is God, and you don't let pressure get between you and God, what's it going to do, Ryan? Ryan? If you don't let pressure get between you and God, what's it going to do to you and God? Yeah, it's going to push you guys closer together. What happens if you let it get between you and God? It separates you. Yeah, and that's not God's intention. His intention is it to push you closer together. So obstacles become opportunities when you trust the omnipotent God. There's only one omnipotent God in the world Nebuchadnezzar lived in. There were millions of gods. The world that we live in right now, there's millions of gods In the world, in Christianity, sometimes we have millions of gods, and it's only when we run out of where, as I've heard so many people say during this whole COVID crisis thing, it seems like God has taken away all our gods. That's probably the most common thing that I have heard in the last six, seven, eight months, however long this thing has been, is that God has taken away all our gods, and people are being pushed towards the omnipotent God, and so... Anyways, we're going to start part three, and we're going to look at the omnipotent God. But in review of things, we started out where King Nebuchadnezzar started having dreams. And he's a young ruler, ruler of the world. He took over from his dad, Nabopolassar, and they pretty much, as a Babylonian king, ran everything in the world at that time. And he's a young guy trying to do a good job at his job, And, and, and he had dreams about his kingdom that were kind of freaking him out. Hey, Ryan, you just started a new job, right? You like your new job? Cool, man. What happens if you just started having, and you're trying to do a good job at it, right? What if you just started having dreams? You're doing landscaping, right? All of a sudden, man, weed eaters are, you know, doing crazy things, are coming to life and attacking people. And, you know, what what would happen if all of a sudden you had just crazy dreams about your new job? Yeah, would it perplex you? Would it catch your attention? What if it was the same dream over and over and over again? Would you be thinking about it? Yeah, and in fact, sometimes we might even like be overthinking about it, and that's what was happening with Nebuchadnezzar. He was just overwhelmed by this dream, and so he was like, all right, guys, I want you guys, he brought all his wise men in. You guys remember the four kinds of people he brought in? Help me out. What was one of the kinds? Politicians. He brought the, I mean, he brought all the experts in. Politicians? The educators, yeah. I mean, what more do you need than politicians and educators? Well, he had two more classes of people, right? What else did he bring in? Oh, he brought in the medical world. Yeah. So he brought in the politicians, the teachers, the the educators, I mean, the medical world. And then just in case, who else did he bring in? The psychic friends. Yes, all the psychic friends. So he brought, I mean, what more do you need when you have a crisis? Ryan, I'm going to pick on you again. What more do you need when you have a crisis than those four people? The politicians, educators, medical world, and psychic friends. Is there anything else you might need? What? God. And in fact, if you have God, the only reason you would need those other four folks is, be, is if God wants to use them. And the only way they can truly really be used to value is if they're seeing life from God's perspective in that way. And so somehow God had to interject himself in all of this. And so you remember he brought those guys in and could they... Uh, hey, Tom, could they tell them the uh, dream? No. He said, I want you to tell me the dream and then tell me the interpretation. And remember, they were like, oh, no, no. Tell me, the inter- tell me the dream, and I'll give you a good interpretation of the dream. Anybody can do that, right? But he's like, dude, I need an answer. Y'all have been playing me for years. I want you to tell me the dream, and then I'll tell you the interpretation of it, right? And none of them could do it. So... So, Nebuchadnezzar, how many of y'all remember the first part of it, of an obstacle? The first part is you have a situation you cannot fix, and that is a, you remember a secular sigh? Everybody help me out, don't hit yourself too hard. Oh, I just don't know what to do, a secular sigh. And then you go get all these people together, and all of a sudden, they're not giving you any help because their life has been what? A lucrative lie. And then when you have your secular sign and they throw at you a lucrative lie, and then you call them to it and say, No, I don't want it done like it's been. You guys have been playing me. You guys are full of it. I need a real answer to a real problem. How do they respond? With a Chaldean cry, so we have a secular sigh, a lucrative lie, a Chaldean cry, and they. So they were crybabies. saying, nobody allow, Nobody makes us do that, right? Hey, Mariah, you ever say that to your mom, "Nobody's parents do that." <laughs> you ever do it? Hey, Zane, has Mariah ever done that? No. All right, she will one day. I guarantee it. <laughs> but so so that secular sigh. was answered with a lucrative lie. Chaldean Christ. so Nebuchadnezzar said, you know what, you guys, I'm done with you. I need a solution to this. So he issued a what? Decree to die. Doesn't that just sound like an obstacle? Doesn't it sound like where we live so often and where everybody you know lives? It's like, well, we don't know what to do, so here's the best. This isn't a good thing to do, but this is all we can do. It doesn't work, but we're going to give it a shot anyway. It's like, dude, who has the answer? Who always has the answer? God's always got the answer. But if he doesn't answer when we want him to answer, then guess what? We we do our own thing. We, We create that obstacle. Wait on God. And while you're waiting with him, in fact, the Hebrew word wait literally means to wrap yourself around when it, in Isaiah, when he said, wait on the Lord and he'll renew your strength, like wings with eagles, you'll run, you won't get tired, you'll walk and you won't fall down. He said that word wait means to wrap yourself around something. He's talking about braiding. And so, man, it's talking about braiding yourself around God, wrapping yourself around God when you're waiting. It's not twiddling your thumbs doing nothing. Maybe God is delaying an answer. He's delaying a solution so that you'll wrap yourself around who? Him. Maybe you know, but he's not waiting and he's not delaying an answer so you can figure out what you're gonna do with your own pitiful resources. He's he's waiting possibly because he wants you to have some intimacy with him. Maybe he wants you to get on your face, maybe he wants you desperate, maybe he wants to take you to the next level with him. Maybe you've never fell on your face, maybe you've never fasted. Maybe you've never given him days and days of prayer. Maybe you've never read the Bible like a te- with a telescope instead of a microscope. Maybe he's delaying things and delaying those answers, trying to push you closer together with him because, hey, Linda, who's his favorite person? Yes, you! You're my favorite person too, but you're God's favorite person. But Ashley, who's, your fa- who's God's favorite person? Yeah, you and Alana right now, you know, but... Ryan, who's God's favorite person? And who's God's favorite person, Gary? Yeah, he's all, you are his favorite person. He wants nothing more than to be intimately close to you. That's why often we have these situations in our life. It's to drive us closer to him. But so often we cry out, oh! Or, we, or Zane, we come up with our own solutions. Does the world not do that over and over again? Yeah, and we, when we come up with our own solutions, we make a what Destiny. A mess. <laughs> yeah, a mess. So we have a secular sigh a lucrative lie, a cowdian cry to create to die an obstacle, but they go to knock on Daniel's door. We talked about this last week. Remember Emily? They went and knocked on Daniel's door? Sabrina, when they knocked on Daniel's door, what'd they say to him? Hey, we're here to we're here to kill you. <laughs> yeah, hey Sabrina, we're here to kill you. <laughs> and uh and and Daniel's like, uh what had Daniel respond? Do you guys remember? Yeah, what do? How do you respond? Wait a minute. Yeah, why you? What's the hurry, dude? Don't you really want a solution, or do you just really want to kill us all and then go sulk over it all? And, And 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 Daniel. So he was a a godly guy who knew a God to glorify. He knew that if God could get glory out of something, that God wanted to be a part of that. And he saw instead of an obstacle, he saw an opportunity. He saw a way that God could be glorified, and any time you see an opportunity for God to be glorified, it's an opportunity. God wants to sign up for that if you're in for it. It may take longer than you want. It may cost you more than you want to invest. It may, it, it, but, you, but if you will wait and you will be a part of what God wants to do, he always wants to be glorified and that is an opportunity in god's book so daniel said wait a minute man you know what why is the king so hey i think i can come up with the answer i think we can got it and so what did he do he went back in and he had a huddle all right man shadrach meshach and abednego hey they're gonna kill us so let's come up with the most harebrained idea and make it sound like it's from god and let's go put it out to the put it out to them. and and at least we got we bought some time is that what he did no instead what they do prayed If you're going to get an idea from God, hey Tom, if you're going to get an idea from God, who do you got to ask? God. How do we ask? Him? Do you, I know you got like all kinds of numbers. You even got my number. You know, can, can you text God? <laughs> Does he answer you when you text him? <laughs> all right. And uh but how do you talk to God, guys? You pray. Now, there's no prayer posture, there's no Super rules for prayer. You do have to come through Jesus because when you knock on God's door, you knock on God's door, a sacrifice is required, and you don't have a sacrifice good enough. And until you have the sacrifice of Christ applied to your life, the only prayer I think he's hearing is, is the prayer that you need him. And you and him want but when you have Christ, we are told now because of Christ covering our life, when he looks down, how many of y'all know your Tatiana? Are you perfect? Hey, is that guy next to you perfect? Oh, especially God. No, how about this guy? No, uh, you, hey, these are your neighbors right here. Are they perfect? Absolutely. No, <laughs> now you're lying. I know you're not perfect. So <laughs> yeah, so, so nobody's perfect. So when you come to God, you got to come in perfection. How many of y'all have blown that and you have no way to come to God in your own perfection? You don't have a sacrifice worthy enough to offer him. That's what the beauty of salvation is. It's not just a home in heaven. It's the fact that he's in heaven right now. And Jesus in heaven, what's he doing for you right now? Anybody know? He's, advocating for you. he's praying for you. He's advocating. The devil's coming up and saying, huh, you know what John did today? <laughs> Jesus, you know what John did today? And, and was it true what he's accusing you of? <laughs> Absolutely. John did it. Carol vouch, Right. <laughs> Yeah, she was probably talking to God saying, God, you know what he's doing or not doing. And God's like, yeah, yeah. And the devil's like, yeah, I got ammo. And what does Jesus say when you get accused by the devil to Jesus? What does he say? He's he's mine. I've already paid for it. (laughs) I've already paid the price for that. So just get out of here and I'm going to listen to what he needs. So we got to go to him. We, have, we can come to the throne boldly as believers. If you're not a believer, you can't. But if you're covered by the blood of Jesus, you can come boldly to the throne of God. When can you come? Anytime. Anytime. Hey, how long can you stay? Now, you guys don't talk a lot, right? But does he, do you have to talk a lot when you come to him? No? 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 You guys even answered together here. <laughs> and, and no. But, but so, so do you have to talk verbally? How, how else can you talk? Yeah, from your head? You mean he can hear what's in your head? Dude, for a lot of you, that's scary, isn't it? <laughs> I, I had somebody the other day say, ooh, that didn't come out of my mouth. And I said, you know, I just read something where a thought is, is verbal to God. <laughs> God hears your thoughts. But yeah, and, and if you can't figure it out in your head and you can't say it verbally, where is it trapped at? And what's the good news there? He knows your heart. In Romans 8, he says, man, when you can't even speak the prayer, you don't know what to say. You don't even know what to ask. The Holy Spirit knows your heart. What does God want? Does he want some eloquent eloquent speech? Does he want you you to figure it all out and come to him and say, attaboy? No. He wants you to come helpless and say, God, I don't even know how to verbalize this. I don't even know how to speak. I don't know. And his Holy Spirit who lives in you as a believer will take your what you feel, what you need, what your, what your experience, he will take it and lift it up to God in a way that's acceptable. Do you think God the Holy Spirit can do that through Jesus, the Son of God, to God the Father? Do you think they can communicate? Yeah. Who better to communicate your prayers and the Holy Spirit of God to God the Father? You think he'd do a better job than you? Yeah. And even when you get it wrong verbally and whatever, you think he straightens it all out? Yeah, he knows your heart. And so Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego, what did they do? Did they come and formulate a plan? Did they form a little posse, a political act group, and, and all of a sudden they were out rallying to get these people to support this and that? What Did they make a petition? Did they take it to court and get a dream team? Who did they take it to? The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And guess what? They got on their face humbly before him, and they prayed. And they said, God, I don't have a clue. God, I don't have this. God. You put us in this situation, God. And I might have helped. I might have messed up. How many of y'all know y'all put yourself in some of those situations? But God allows it. He lets it happen. And he still wants you to just talk to him. God, will you please help me? God, will you help me? And they prayed. I don't know how long they prayed. I'm just going to ask you. I don't want you to tell me right now, but what's the longest prayer you have had in the recent past? I don't want you to answer that out loud again i think often i brought this up last week often our prayers are like text because that's the world we live in if we try to make it like an email we think god's just really is going to read the top and the bottom he doesn't really want to hear our whole and then if we make our prayer like a novel it's like you know you don't like hearing novels you don't like somebody you want somebody to get to the point right how many of y'all want people to get to the point when they yes god's not like that dude (laughs) he's not just get to the point he already knows the point it's in your heart he wants you to pour your heart out to him and you know what it's only when i'm pouring my heart out to him often that i know what my heart really is like because we overestimate how good we are and underestimate how bad we are we've got this little picture of us and it's only when you're just crying out to him when you're pouring yourself out to him that you really sometimes even only feel, know what you are like. Your real true desires come out. Everything comes out. And that's important, not only for God to hear, but who else to hear? Who, who's that important? Who, who else needs to hear that? You do. Because we live in this little fantasy world. Again, mirrors. You know, how many of y'all look in the mirror and you all suddenly change poses? Again, I've talked about this before. How many of y'all ever had a bad picture of yourself? You're like, oh, that's horrible. No, that's what you look like when you're not posing. But you have so conditioned yourself to know how to hold your face, how to, and it's the same thing emotionally and spiritually and mentally and physically. We have this mental image and, of how we're supposed to be, and that's it. And it's my self-esteem. No, God wants to see us broken. Because if you don't see brokenness, you can't fix it. He doesn't want you to be down and beat up, broken. He does want you to be that way before him. But it's not to beat you down. It's so that he can fix it. If you think you're all that, what is, hey, Jack, if you think you're all that, what has God got to do to to fix you? Yeah, he's got to show you you ain't all that, you know? Yeah. So, man, when you spend that time in the word, Zane, when you were spending all that time in the word last week, did you see how awesome you were? oh yes god this is exactly who i see did god at at any point take some 80 grit sandpaper 60 grit and start shaping you a little bit yeah and it hurts a little yeah it's a mirror you looked in a mirror this morning dude bob i know you looked in a mirror did your hair hey did his hair look like that when he woke up yeah (laughs) never mind bad example (laughs) but yeah yeah the word of God's our mirror. It shows us through prayer, prayer and the word of God. do you know those are the two times the devil fights us the hardest is during when we're trying to read the Word of God and when we're trying to pray. Why? Yeah, those are offensive weapons. In the armor of God, every bit of the armor of God is a defensive weapon. You go read the armor of God, and I'm not going to preach on that today, but the armor of God, you go read about it. It's all a defensive weapon. Hey, Tom, you played soccer. I, I usually leave you alone back there. All right. But if all you have is a perfect defense and no offense, what's the best you can do? Tie. How many of y'all got a perfect defense? Ryan, you got a perfect defense? Do you ever mess up? How about you, Bruce Lee? You have perfect defense? Do you ever mess up? Yeah, so if you have no offense and you don't have a perfect defense, what are you going to do? You're going to lose. You need an offense, and the spirit, the prayer and the word of God is our offense. So again, that's what they did. They prayed, and guess what God did? Can you believe it? What, did, what would God do when you pray? Hey, what do you think, Kenneth? What did God do? Yeah, he was there, and he answered their prayer. Yeah, can you believe that? Who would think God would answer a prayer? Has he done that for any of y'all? Yeah. So why does it take us so long to get there? And why don't we spend more time there? And they did. And then they came out. Daniel said, hey, dude, I got the answer. And Arioch, the king of the captain's guard, he said, Whoa, you have it. And all of a sudden he marched him over and he tells the king, hey, guess what? I found a guy who I found a guy who is from the Hebrews, from the Jews, and he has the answer from his God. And I just want you to know I'm giving him to you. So Ariok, who did he give glory to wow. himself? And then when the king asked Daniel, hey, Daniel, do you really have the answer here? How did Daniel respond? He said, yes, I want you to know I went to a seminar and I learned the proper technique on how to ask God, for the answers that we need and i gave him the best magical formula and yes i did it right and i even taught these other three guys how to do it right also and as we were talking based on my direction you know that i figured out from the word of god and that i you know i'm a good teacher and i did all that and we did it that way guess what my plan worked and we found out what the king is that what happened no, Daniel went to talk. He said, dude, I'm as dumb as a rock. I am not the sharpest marble in the box. I, I just went to, the, to God, who's the only one who can do any of this. And by his mercy and grace, by God loving me, he gave me this answer so that I could give it to you. Who did Daniel give glory to? God. So we saw first part with a secular sigh, a lucrative lie, Chaldean cry to create a die obstacles. Man, that just proves the bankruptcy of human wisdom. It proves it. And then they knock on Daniel's door to kill him, and all of a sudden it's a timely try by a godly guy who knew a god to glorify. Which one are you? Which one are you? And again, I bet the answer is both. Jack, would you say you're both? Have there been times where it's like, yeah, dude, God wants to do this, man? I mean, yeah, but are there also times where you're the first guy? (laughs) Yeah, we're all there. We got to look at life as an opportunity from this God, but he wants to be glorified in this. So how do we get there? I think it all comes down to what we think about God. If you know God is all that powerful and he is all that mighty, then I don't think you have a problem at all standing up for him. I don't think, yeah, if you really understand, he truly knows everything. Do you believe he really knows everything? Yeah. That's what omnipotent, well, omnipotent means he can do anything. Do you believe he can do anything? Yeah. And he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Hey, Zane, come here for a second real quick. Please, man, just come here real quick. And yeah, oh, well, I know you can't. Dude, all right, come in here real quick. Hey, Jules, can you come here real quick? Now, you didn't help my illustration by limping up here. You're supposed to be like, Uh ah, and and little Jules. Hey, you know, now, she's got a pretty good punch. I I mean, she's she's pretty scrappy, isn't she? Yeah, but just just look at her. If you had a bunch of bad guys, you had a whole mob coming at you right now. You're walking down the street. Which one of these two would you want to protect you? Me. I'm thinking I want... Yeah, I know some of y'all are feeling bad. No, I'm giving it to the little girl right here. She, You know, Yosemite Sam, whatever. But, but you see, my point, my, the point I'm making is I want the biggest dude I got protecting me, all right? No, no offense, Jules, all right? I, I'm sure you'd help me a little bit. But even, let me ask you a question, which one's going to be more intimidating to my enemy? <laughs> yeah, which one's more intimidating to our enemy, Satan? God? Or some pipsqueak person, I'm not talking about you. Some pipsqueak person <laughs> that we choose to protect us. Some company, some business, some political party, some 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 department, some friend. Which one is gonna which one's more intimidating to Satan? He's terrified of God. He loves when we find little pipsqueak. I'm not talking about you again, but <laughs> he loves. When we're counting on someone not much better, bigger than us to take care of us. Now, you're better than nothing. No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> Thank you for being an illustration. And, and you know what? I know you'd be loyal. But I'm just thinking if we had a mob, I'm getting my tail kicked. <laughs> All right? But anyways. So again, the point is, is man, listen. You know, it, 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 the size of your problem, you've heard it said before, is totally dependent on the size of your God. You know, thank you very much for, for being an illustration, and, and you're awesome, thank you. You hate me now? No? Are you, are you going to pray for me now? But, <laughs> all right. So, so again, that's why we've got to know who this omnipotent God is, this omniscient God, this omnipresent God. If we truly understand who he is and what he can do, oh my goodness, is there any, if God is for us, I ain't talked about a couple of, if God's for us, what? Who can be against us? God plus no one is a. Oh, come on, you don't remember this? God plus no one is a majority. Help me out with that. God plus no one is a Understand that. You can have a whole mob against you, and if God, if you are on God's side. Now it isn't a matter of over here doing whatever I want to do, and hey God, come. You know, no, God is where He's at. You go and you go be on His side. In a matter of God getting God on your side. Because if your side is in sin. Are you going to bring God over to your side? Is he going over to your side? No, he's only going to go over there like, like some of the moms you've seen, like that. He's bringing you over to his side. He's there. You want to hang out with him, you ain't got nothing to worry about. But the only reason we're going to do that is we understand how big and how awesome he is, how magnificent, and that's what we're looking at today. So what we're going to see, two points. How long can that take, Terry? It is a million verses, bro, but anyways, an omnipotent God obstacles become opportunities when you are to, totally trusting the omnipotent God and he's our omnipotent God. So we're going to first see everybody, everybody grab your fingers man just so I can make sure you're still awake. Kingdoms that's a crown, okay? Kingdoms that will comply. Hey, let me ask you a question. Who's running this world? Yeah. Say uh, under whose authority? Under, God. under God's authority. Yeah. No Satan is this is a Satan's world. We have three enemies. We have this world system that loves to feed our flesh. And if Satan needs to get involved, he does. He keeps those two things going. So our flesh gets fed and we choose those world instead of him. And so, so yeah, but even Satan is under God's control. He is the ultimate authority. And so, hey, um, I'm not going to get real super political here, but who determines who wins this political election coming up? Who already knows? Who's picked every president we've ever had? Do you really believe that? Now that means we don't. mean, we don't do our part. But however, anything works out. Who made us? Who made us have the governor we have and the governor we didn't have? You're like, well, it's my vote. Well, yeah, you did your part. You did your part in all of that. And if you have a privilege to vote and be a part of it, take advantage of it while you have that privilege, because not everybody in the world does. And who gives you the privilege to vote? God. Exactly. So who determines who's, who's in control of Russia? Who determines who's in control of North Korea? <laughs> yeah, we're not sure about that one anymore, are we? <laughs> right? He's, he's in a coma. He's dead. He's alive. He's, you know We don't know, dude. It could be a cyborg robot for all we know. Is that right? Cyborg? Is that uh, whatever? A robot, dude. Who knows? But who put that robot in charge? God. George Soros, anybody who puts them in charge and who takes them down? God. So whose side do you want to be on? Do you want to try to play and pick whichever political side you think's going to win? Oh, no, this is the side. I'm going to be popular and be over here. And I'm not talking nationally or globally. I'm talking even locally. I'm talking in your group of friends. I'm talking on your job. Is that where? Is this what your life looks like? You're dancing around trying to figure out what side to be on? Whose side do we need to be on, period? God's side. Because whose side's going to win? He picks the winning side. And, how, and he picked you, right? He reached down deep. No, he, God picked you, bro. I'm not saying you're a booger, bro. I'm just saying he picked you. He did. Did he pick you because you were worth it, Gary? Did you say, oh, Gary, is going to add so much to the kingdom. We cannot exist in this kingdom without Gary. Who's going to put, no. Why did he pick you, bro? Because he loved you. Why did he pick you, Bob? Because he loved you, man. That's why he picked every one of us. He chose us and loved us. And if he picked you for the kickball team and you ain't even got legs, man. I'm just saying. (laughs) He picked you because he loved you and wanted you on his team. Whose team should we be loyal to? Whose team should we give everything we've got to? Instead of dancing around trying to figure out what team we're on and where we're going to be and, oh, here we go. (laughs) So he's in charge. We're going to see in this Daniel, when he gives Nebuchadnezzar the dream, he's going to show him kingdoms will comply. And these are some of the most wicked, nasty, horrible rulers in the universe who hated God, didn't want anything to do with God. They thought they were God. And yet, he lifts them up and takes them down. So do these world rulers have any control of anything? And if God ever puts you in any form of leadership, who puts you in that form of leadership? And who's going to hold you accountable for what you did in that leadership role? Yeah. So, Salma, as you rule all your sisters, I'm just saying, who... No, I'm just... Does she rule you, man? You just kind of let her think she is, right? That's how your game is in this. But literally, if you're a leader, dude, God made you a leader. And whatever role that is, and you're a leader there to represent him, whether you love him or not, and he's going to hold you accountable that. Fortunately, as believers, we love him, and we want to do that, and I'm reminding you of that today, but he is the one. And so kingdoms will comply. Then we're going to see royalty will reply, God is omnipotent. The king, he can break the biggest king of the world down to say God's in charge. I don't care who you are. Can you imagine George Soros getting on his knees on TV and saying God Almighty's in charge? If that's part of of God's plan, guess what God can do? He can do it. But if that ain't part of his plan, that's not going to happen. He will one day, will he not? One day, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How many of y'all are glad you're on that team? Yeah. You're already there. And so you can confess that he is your savior, not necessarily just ask, dude, he's the Lord and I'm on the wrong team. So we see this part, kingdoms will comply. So he says, to you, O king, he said, you laid in bed, came uh, in and came thoughts of what would be after this. Okay. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. So Uh, after this and what is to be, is that past, present, or future? That's the future. He said, this is the future. And I'm going to tell you, this is the future of the Gentile world, including the one we live in, okay? So he said, this dream you got is going to show how the Gentile world ends, how the last days end. Now, this was way before Christ came on this planet. He said, this is how the last period of time is going to end, okay? And so he said, this is what's going down here. He said, but as for me, and before he tells them the interpretation, Gary, if he's a godly guy who knew a God to glorify, what do you think he's going to do first? Glorify God. Yeah, I saw that coming out of your mouth. I was just kind of pulling a little faster, right? You know, we are on time frame here, all right? No, I'm just messing with you. But but literally, he's going to glorify God. Daniel's looking for every opportunity he's got to glorify God. He said, but as for me... This mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom I have, more than all living. He said, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. In other words, God wants you to know what's going on right here. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. So there was this giant statue, okay? And so if you can imagine, there's this statue with, I I think of Rock'em Sock'em robots. You guys remember those? That's just, when I picture the image, I think of a Rock'em Sockam robot. Remember how their head was big and square, you know, and you pushed them, and they go, <laughs> I never, did anybody ever really get Rock'em Sockam robots to work right? No, were you actually, no, dude, it was like, it looked good on TV. Remember when we used to have commercials for stuff other than, than drugs, a- and the side effects of drugs, and then lawyers wanting to have class action lawsuits to sue drug companies for the drugs they just sold? Remember when we used to have commercials for other stuff? Yeah. And Rock, on Saturday, dude, I'd watch Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Like, yes, we want those. They never work that way. Dude, you just put it down. The head goes, Ooh. <laughs> It was like, all right. That's what I think of this image. It was like a Rock'em Sock'em Robot image. Everybody have that image in your head? Ryan, do you know what a Rock'em Sockam Robot is? All right, good. Bruce Lee, you got it. I know y'all are young. All right. So go Google it up. It'll be on Google unless it's politically incorrect. All right, but you saw, King, behold, a great image. The image, mighty and exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearing was frightening. So, dude, it's, a, it's like a rock 'em, sockam robot on steroids. This thing's huge. It's got this big head, big muscles, big torso, big thighs, big feet. It's like, ah. And <laughs> he said it was mighty and bright. It, it just you couldn't like make it stand out more and all of a sudden if that's what nebuchadnezzar was dreaming about and daniel starts saying that what do you think's happening in nebuchadnezzar's head right now getting some credibility right like whoo dude you actually know what you're talking about here okay he said that him the head of this image was fine gold not just gold dude fine gold its chest and arms of silver. So its head, the Rakam Sakam robot head, was gold, fine gold. The chest and arms were silver. Its middle and thighs were made of bronze. So in this, so what are you, some things you notice about the quality of the metal as we go further down? It becomes more inferior. And we'll see how this plays out in here, but what it's talking about is society in general is going to become more inferior. It doesn't mean it's not going to become more knowledgeable. It doesn't mean it's not going to become more powerful. It means inferior in quality. There's a difference between gold, fine gold, and silver. Y'all remember the recession, 07, 08, 09, all that, when pawn shops wouldn't even buy silver no more, right? They'd still taken gold, all right? So head was gold, arms and chest were silver, and then the thighs and middle part were bronze. And and it's becoming inferior. And what about the weight of those things? Which is the heaviest out of those three? Gold. And, and silver's heavier than the bronze. So what, what can you say about this image? It's top-heavy. And, and, and what do you think about a top-heavy image? What, any of y'all ever felt top-heavy? Ashley, do you feel top-heavy right now? I'm just saying. Zane, what do you think about a top-heavy? Someone who's really big and got little bird legs, right? Not saying you do, Zane, but... Yeah, a top-heavy image is not stable at all. And it's becoming more unstable. This is what he's talking about. And he says, this is what the world is going to be like. Hey, what does that have to say about evolution? What does evolution say? Woo, we're going to get better and better and better, right, John? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Um, Yeah, get better and better when God says, no, this is what's going to happen. You're not. It's going to become more inferior. So let's keep going. And you're saying, well, you're making up this interpretive. No, you'll see. All right. And uh, so he goes on. He says, now, the, so the top was made out of what? The arms and the chest were? And the torso and thighs were made out of? And then the legs were made out of ah iron. All right. Which uh, how many of y'all would rather have a gold engagement ring or or a, a gold wedding ring or an iron one? <laughs> What's worth more? <laughs> so you see, definitely, it's not, you know, hey, you, oh, now construction worker bling, right? You got gold on there, man? You're supposed to have like a chain of iron, dude. That's what real construction workers wear, dude, not gold. That's, yeah, dude, <laughs> Can you imagine, you know, people walking around with iron bling? <laughs> I'm just saying. It, you watch what happens, it's getting more and more and more inferior. And that's in morals, in character. And it was pretty bad then. So he says the legs are iron, man. Its feet are partly iron and partly clay. So here you got this big top-heavy gold head, silver chest and, and arms you've got a bronze torso and thighs you've got iron legs and then what the bottom is part iron and part clay what do you know about uh, if you were to mix iron and clay chunks of it together what do you think you're an educator tell us what happens i didn't say you were a potter but an educator no. what do you think happens yeah it's gonna fall down what else do you think about those iron and about it doesn't adhere you can put it together and try to push it together as much as you want, but it's not going to stick. It's not going to adhere. So you start off with this beautiful gold, goes to silver, goes to, goes to bronze, now goes to iron. You see it's getting more crude and it's getting less stable. And then all of a sudden you've got these feet that are part iron and part clay. If you had this statue at your house, would you take it in when the hurricane comes? Yeah, it's falling over. It might not even need a hurricane. It's falling over. It's going to crumble. And God says that's what society is, and that's why you need me. That's why you need the stability I bring you. Because it's not about this life here. It's about your home in heaven, dude. You understand? We get to be in perfection forever when we go because of Christ. Forever, man. I'm going this afternoon good buddy of mine, man, his wife passed away four o'clock on, on Wednesday. He wanted me to bring, come in and talk to his grandbabies. That's all I did. Before we call a hospice, call he called hospice, called anybody said, come in, talk to my grandbabies, tell them where nanny is, you know, tell them where she's at. That's all I could tell him. I said, I talked to her last week and she knows there's only one person that can take her to heaven. I said, do you guys know who that one person is that can take them take her to heaven? And they said, yeah, it's Jesus. And I said, do you know who your nanny was counting on to take her to heaven? And they said, Jesus. And I said, so where is she? She's in heaven. And I know that we had that. We had, because she was so upset about, man, when I take these drugs, man, I'm, I'm doing wrong things. I'm not, you know, my thoughts aren't right. I said, man, it's Christ's righteousness that covers you. Jesus is the only one that can take you to heaven. And so I asked them, they said, yeah, Jesus has taken her to heaven. So where is she? She's in heaven. How long is she going to be there forever? What's she like now? And they said, perfect. And I said, can you ever get to see her again? And they said, yeah. And I said, if you're going to see her again, who's going to take you? Who's the only one who can take you? And they said, Jesus. And I said, how do you get him to take you? And he said, you ask him. Bob, how are you getting to heaven, man? Who's taking you? As much as your future wife here loves you, in a couple more weeks, buddy, as much as she loves you, can she take you to heaven? No, dude, only Jesus can. I'm getting ready to go over their house this afternoon, four o'clock, man, and we're going to put this funeral together. It's going to be on Tuesday. I don't have to wear a suit. He said I didn't even have to wear shoes, man. But I think the funeral home might make me wear those. I'm not sure, but. I was like, yeah. He said, no, it's going to be a cracker wedding, man. I'm like, I got to wear boots. He said, no, dude, you ain't got to wear shoes. <laughs> I was like, all right. But, or funeral, I'm sorry. Marrying and burying are two different things, aren't they? Yeah, but <clears throat> but anyways, we're going to be planning this. There's going to be people there that need to hear that, man. They need to hear that Jesus is the one that can take you there. I don't know where that came from on here, but these legs are are iron, feet partly iron, partly clay. Let's keep moving on. All right, so he tells them what it looks like. So Nebuchadnezzar right now saying, yeah, dude, I, I'm, all right. I know you, the old, you're the only one other than me that knows what this dream was. Now tell me the interpretation. He said, as you looked, a stone, well, he keeps going with the dream. He said, as you look, a stone was cut out by no human hand. So if it's not a human hand that cuts a stone out, Bruce Lee, what is it? It's God. Yeah. So a rock, a stone was cut out, not by human hands. And this stone, it struck the image where? On its feet. So it didn't strike it when it was just the head, when it was just the chest, the arms, when it was the torso and thigh, when it was even the legs. It waits till it's down to the feet, which are already weak and easy to be crumbled. And the stone that was cut out by God, bam, it struck the feet of iron and clay and did what to it? What does it say? (coughs) Broke them to pieces, man. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold, all of the whole statue all together were broken in pieces, became like chaff of the summer threshing floor. Now, I know we don't, really, how many of y'all like, uh, like, like mess with some chaff, man? How many of y'all like, you know, separated some grain today? Anybody? No, you, just went to the, you went to Walmart or Target if you don't go there or wherever, Publix, and bought it, right? But they would take the seed, right? And it had chaff on it, and they would beat it up to get the chaff off so they could get down to the seed. And what did the wind do to the chaff? Blew it away like it was nothing. So the world that we spend so much time worshiping, trying to be like dancing in and out of, I'm for Christ, but right now I have to be for the world. Okay, all right, God, I'm going to try to do both. You know, that world that we worship so often, the system we think we have to be a part of and play, what happens to it eventually? (sighs) It's gone blown like chaff off a summer threshing floor the whole world system can you believe that boy do you think if we really believe that we'd put as much effort into this world as we think again i'm not saying we sit back and do nothing when i say putting effort in the world i'm not talking about not helping people I'm talking about putting effort into kingdom things into what god wants you to do There's a bigger purpose to every place he puts you and everything he has you to do. And the bigger purpose is helping people see life from his perspective. That's way more important than anything else in your job, in your career, in your family, in your neighborhood, anywhere. Because all that other stuff, as awesome as it is, as we think it is, it's going to be blown away. And it says, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. Not a trace. There ain't going to be no worldly bling left. But the stone that struck the image. Remember the one that wasn't cut with human hands? That struck the image, it became a what? A great mountain and filled the earth. So there's the dream. Nebuchadnezzar's like, yeah, that's it. What does it mean? What does it mean? He said, this was a dream. Now we will tell the king the interpretation. Look at the interpretation. He said, you, O king, the king of kings. He's not talking about Jesus. He's talking about Nebuchadnezzar. You, O king, the king of kings, because he ran the world at the time to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory. So Nebuchadnezzar runs the world. Who did he emphatically, Daniel, who's a little servant boy coming as a captive from Israel, but he's a godly guy who knew a God to glorify. Who did he tell Nebuchadnezzar to put, uh, put him in office? God. You got a chance to meet with the president. And I said, what have you got to meet with all the political world leaders right now? Would you have the guts to say, God has put you in charge? How about in your own company, in your own neighborhood, in your own family? God has put people... Look at what Daniel did. He truly knew God wanted to be glorified. He said, dude, I know you cut my head off right now. I know you could put me in slack. You could chain me up and do whatever you want. But God has put you in charge. You're going to answer to him one day. You, O king of kings, whom God of heaven has given the kingdom, power, the might, and the glory. God's put you in charge. And whose hand he has given... Wherever they dwell, the children of men, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, making you ruler over them all, you're the head of gold. So not only did he say he put you in charge, but what is he also saying that God's going to do with this king one day? Behold, yeah, I hold them accountable. Someone understands God's the only reason they're in that position they're in. They're, maybe they'll do things a little different. How about you? You know, if we truly realize that God's the one who's put us where we're at. Maybe we do a better job of what we're doing. Maybe we'd understand that accountability. Maybe we could complain about where we're at and where we want to be, and instead of realizing God has got me right here, right now for this purpose. I don't know how long it takes. take, because let me ask you a question. Terry went, how many heartbeats you got to miss before you're done? Yeah, boom. Who put the breath in your lungs, man? Who put your, makes your heart beat? Are you sitting there right now thinking, okay, I've got to make my heart beat. Okay, speed it up, speed it up. I've got to breathe. Do you ever do that at night, think about breathing? You seem like to be one of the analytical thinkers. I used to think about that until I realized God was in charge and I didn't have to think about breathing. Because what happens when I'm asleep and I can't think about breathing? I'm not going to breathe. Aren't you glad God's got all those involuntary things happening in your body? oh my goodness, blood, I got to get more blood over here, get more blood here. No, God's is, the way he's controlling your body, he's controlling this whole world. So man, how much different would our lives be if we truly understand how in charge he really was? And here, this is the most important part of where we live, and he's saying, dude, God has given you Look at what he's given them, the children, of men, the beasts, of the field, the birds of heaven, making you rule over them all. You're the head of gold. So he is the king in this statute. Nebuchadnezzar with the Babylonian empire. He's the head of gold. OK, so that's the beginning of the end right there. So how many of you all know some Babylonians right now? You go to Babylonian restaurants. No, I'm just saying we, uh, uh, you know, Babylon got conquered, right? Yeah, they got conquered by the Medo-Persians, okay? So one head of gold, a solid head, a leader, one man who's a leader, wasn't divided, boom. He gets conquered by the Medes and Persians. So we're going to see the arms, which is the Medo-Persian kingdom, which then becomes the Persian kingdom. Okay, in fact, this prophecy is so specific. Many people who try to refute the Bible say it was written well after all this happened because nobody could have gotten all this right. Nobody except who, Lucinda? Yeah, you notice how I said, who, 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 Lucinda? No, I, I have in the back, I'm not making it funny because, dude, in the back of my neighborhood on 10 Mile Creek, we got these owls that they can put goosebumps on you, dude. They're like right as the sunset and they go, whoo and i'm like me me, me me, you know yeah you've heard them before right jack then was it just like yeah every time i hear that owl who man i'm praying for you for sure that's cool so yeah god god's the one so look at this all right so you're the head of gold look at this verse 39 another kingdom what's the next word yeah inferior get that evolution's a crock, dude. In fact, the the one we credit evolution to didn't even believe in it, all right? If you study it. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after. What? I'm not going to be the king forever? No, no, you're going to get conquered. Hey, Zane, when you quit your job, how long is it going to take for them to put somebody else in? Uh, Yeah, not even, man. (laughs) I'm just saying they probably got somebody. No, they don't. Otherwise, you wouldn't be working many hours. But literally, that's every one of us, isn't it? What we sell our soul to, man, you know, what we sell our soul to so often, man, they just replace us like that. Be careful what you sell your soul to another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you. And a third kingdom of bronze, okay? So the third kingdom. So guess what happened in world history? There was the Babylonians. They got conquered by the Medes and Persians, okay? It was kind of a divided empire. And you can read about this in the book of Daniel or watch Veggie Tales. They'll have it, you know, Darius, all those guys, all those. Okay, Medes and Persians, which became the kingdom of Persia, which is modern-day Iraq, okay? Or Iran, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, Iraq's the little one. All right, Iran. And... Um, very important in world prophecy. Okay, so it came down, and then who conquered the Persians? Anybody know? Alexander, the Great, and he was a what? He was a Greek. The Greeks conquered them. Alexander the Great was a mighty warrior. He's that torso. He's at that kingdom of bronze. He did it. In fact, they still teach. I understand his military principles in military world right now because he was a genius. God gave him that ability. And so here he was, that bronze man, warrior. But what happened after he died? What happened to his kingdom after he died? It split. Between his two kids, yeah. And, and, And if you want to study more about this... I would suggest look it up on Wikipedia, but then go way further. <laughs> just, Wikipedia just give you out, but I'm just saying, Google it up, look it up, go study the history of these and see if it doesn't work that way. Medo-Persia turned to Persia. Persia got conquered by the Greeks, which was the stomach out of bronze, which turned in the two legs of the Greek empire. Who conquered the Greeks? Who? The Romans, the Romans did, Yeah. And so look what he says. And he said, so a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. In fact, there's a story about Alexander the Great being somewhere as a young man. And he was crying. And they're like, what's wrong? You've just conquered the world. He says, there's nothing left to conquer. Nothing left to conquer because that was end all be all for him. And you know, what's interesting. The story says that, you know, where he died He died of a fever. That's kind of one of the common denominators. But he died as a young man. He died in Nebuchadnezzar's palace. (laughs) So the stuff the Babylonians built for a while, it hadn't been crushed with a stone yet. Babylonian palace, he died there, and and he conquered the world. And then look at this, a fourth kingdom, which is the Roman Empire, strong as iron. Hey, how did did, uh, Tom Van Giesen, how did the Roman Empire get you to submit To submit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they had crucifixion. They had, uh, were, were they nice guys? Did they like try to say, okay, now you should probably submit. And did they have like, you know, uh, life coaches to help you submit? <laughs> no, dude. They're the most cruel. They had crucifixion. When you study that, you die of suffocation, dehydration, and all of that they were cruel. They ruled with an iron fist or iron legs, okay? There shall be a fourth kingdom strong as iron because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. So if you didn't submit to Rome, what'd they do to you, Ryan? According to this, they broke in pieces and they shattered you. Yeah. And like iron crushes iron or iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all of these. So that's the Roman Empire. Hey, who conquered the Roman Empire? Oh, what happened to the Roman Empire? Pretty much the same thing. If you, list, if you go study, I, I challenge you, if you're a history person, go back and study Babylon and how it fell. Go ahead. And yeah, they were conquered by different people, but it really wasn't much different than how Rome died. You know what happened? They had political leaders that were more interested in getting rich than helping the people. They had people who, all of a sudden, since they realized are getting richer and are getting poorer, we start fighting each other. We start all being selfish. It's about all about a self-centered world. You go look at the things that caused each one of these kingdoms. When each one of these kingdoms took over and conquered the other one, they were unified. They were strong. They had a purpose. But as time went on, they started getting divided. And then somebody came in and conquered them. And nobody had to conquer the Romans because what happened? They conquered themselves. Can you imagine being part of some, an empire so awesome that the world looks to you for leadership and then you're so stupid, you conquer yourself? Oh my goodness, could you imagine being part of something like that? But guess what? If you're first a Christian, you're not part of something like that. If you're a Christian, who's going to conquer Christ's kingdom? absolutely no one and in fact your imperfections are already covered and he brought you in this world so he can what take you out you cease to represent him and you're messing things up guess where he's going to take you heaven well that don't sound like it's not punishment you've already your punishment's already been paid for but he's not going to let you mess up his plans his kingdom will last how long forever this world system is going to do what Even the greatest countries in the world, the greatest empires that last centuries, what happens to them? And what did he say was going to happen at the end? You're going to be blown away like chaff. You said, how can that be? Something that great, something that mighty, something that powerful. Is it sad? Yes. But it's. you know what? If everybody followed Christ, would it be a better world? Are things falling? Did everything fall apart in all those empires because they were doing godly things, Gary? No. No. Not at all. There shall be a fourth kingdom strong as iron because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things and like iron that crushes, it'll break and crush all these things and that's how Rome conquered. But nobody conquered the Romans. They conquered themselves. And look what he says. He skips time. And he says, as you saw the feet and toes. Part of potter's clay... In part iron. Okay, what you, would what'd you say before? They don't stick together. I don't care how, what kind of super glue, what kind of, you know, what's that boat stuff, that boat glue that holds everything together, man? Yeah, it, even that won't hold these two things together. Yeah. So the world leaders all come together, but who do all the world leaders care about? Themselves. In a company, all the leaders come together, but who do they all care about? And what happens? In a family, everybody comes together, but if all they care about is, what happens? It all falls apart. You know what works is Christianity when we all care about each other. When others are more important than ourselves. Somebody should have wrote that in the New Testament. I think Paul did to the Philippians. That's God's system. It's different than the world system. When everybody just cares about themselves in a relationship. Dude, y'all are getting married, right? Are you guys like, are you just marrying her so you can get her assets and, you know, and then divorce, divorce her and take all her stuff? I mean, you're just marrying her for her riches. Are you marrying her for his, you know? No, y'all are planning that, right? And in fact, right now you're planning the most beautiful life together, aren't you? And you got, yeah. And now he's saved, dude. Dude, you're married. You liked him before and loved him before, but you like him even more now, right? Because he's, yeah, it's awesome. But what happens if, even as believers, you start only caring about yourself? Yeah, like iron and clay, man. And that's the world system. And I pray that never happens. When we tie that knot, dude, we're going to tie it. And we're going to put that glue on it, too, man. <laughs> we're going to tie that knot. I can't wait. A couple more weeks. So he says, as you saw the feet and toes, part potter's clay, part iron, it shall be a what? What did Abraham Lincoln say, quoting the Bible about division? A house, divided cannot stand. a house divided cannot stand. You know that true in your own house. You know that true in your businesses. You know that true in a community. You know that true in major cities. If someone can divide us, man, it can't stand in unity anymore. And it can be easily conquered. In fact, in the case of Rome, no one even has to conquer it. It flat out falls apart. it will be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with soft clay. So what many people believe this is, these are the feet. Okay, so the head. Are the Babylonians conquered? So are we in the head? No. All right, so then they were conquered by the Medes and Persians. Okay, that was the, the two arms and the chest. Are, are we under Mede and Persian rule right now? No. And then who conquered them? Were the Greeks, Alexander the Great, and then they split off into two kingdoms. There, those are the Greeks. Are we still under Greek rule? No. They make awesome salads, but they're not in charge. All right, and uh, and if you want one, Santos, dude, they reopened right over there, across um, right before Savannah on Jensen Beach Boulevard, back in there. Awesome little porch patio, and I don't get paid for that. I'm just thinking of food right now. And they have awesome food, nice little outdoor patio, man. Santos, look it up, Google it. But they make great salads, but they're not in charge anymore, right? All right? Who conquered the Greeks? The Romans conquered the Greeks. So uh, is there a Roman party? We have Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Roman. (laughs) Are Romans still in charge here? How many of y'all like, no. But Rome ended up being what? divide, but what is the territory? Who, who's all of, yeah, Europe, all over there. That's Rome. And so what we're told is that somehow the iron and the clay, many believe it'll be a revised Roman empire. Many people thought that when the European economic community started coming together, that that was going to be it. And it still might be, it might be some form. And you find more about it in Daniel and Ezekiel and all of the <coughs> those books talk about the prophecy at the end. But the fact is, I don't really care when it happens and all this. I just know it's going to happen. So my loyalty can all be where? In God's kingdom, because that's the one that's going to win. All this other kingdom, anything about it, is going to be blown away like chaff. So it says the feet are coming. So we are, maybe are part of the feet. But we know we're not in the Roman kingdom. So in this statue of world history, how far down are we? Destiny, where are we at? We're in the feet. We're in the feet. How long do the feet last before they get crushed? I don't know, but isn't that pretty exciting to know that you're in the feet of world history? We've made it through the head, the chest, the arms, the way We've made it all the way down to the feet. We could truly, we are living in the last days. I don't know how long those last. Because the last days, the end times in scripture is talking about from the time Christ ascended to the time he comes back. And we know we're a couple thousand years into that. Not many of these kingdoms that we're talking about lasted much longer than that. I don't know when it happens, but the important thing is to know it's going to happen. And to know that where your loyalty stands and where you, whatever you invest in God's kingdom, you're going to get a return on your investment. You will never waste your time investing. Will you waste your time investing in this kingdom? Absolutely. It's all a waste of time if it's not for him. The only way you're going to get anything out of this kingdom is if you invest it for him. And most of that's going to be internal. Love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. So he said, man, you saw these feet, toes, partly potter's clay, partly of iron. It shall be divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron will be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay. He tells us clay soft now, hard iron and soft clay. That's definitely not sticking together, man. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron, partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. There's going to be strong leaders in this unity of of kings that rule at the end, countries, people. Some of them are going to be really strong. Some are going to be weak. Then these will be strong and weak. But the fact is, is they can never unify. And if they can't unify, what's true, Ryan? They're They're going to break. They can't ever accomplish anything. They can't. They're always fighting against each other, so they can't accomplish what they truly want to accomplish. You want to sell out to that kingdom? Go ahead. That's what I'm preaching on today is don't sell out to his kingdom. He said, as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together. Just as iron doesn't mix with clay, they're going to make treaties, they're going to make pacts, they're going to make deals, but it doesn't matter. All someone's got to do is violate it, tick somebody off, and it falls apart. Is there ever going to be a peace plan for this world? It's not until who comes? The Prince of Peace. Yeah, all other negotiations they can try, but without doing it God's way, it's futile. Everybody's got an ulterior motive for it. Look, he says, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven, <laughs> that's our kingdom, will set up a kingdom that shall what? Dude, why do you want to invest in something temporary when you can invest in something permanent? You know? He said, in those days, the king of, the, the, uh, of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. Once you get on this team, dude, it's the right team, and it's the right team forever. He said, it shall break in pieces all these kingdoms. God who cannot lie is saying this. And bring them to an end, and it shall stand how long? So... Do we have an earthly kingdom like that? No, not yet. We have it in our hearts. There's one in heaven, but he's talking about what's going to happen on this earth. One day Christ is coming back and you're going to be on the right team. Everything's going to be perfect and no one can mess it up. How many of y'all can go to work tomorrow and say that? How many of y'all can go home today and say that? <laughs> How many of y'all are the cause of it not being perfect? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> man, it's going to break, it's going to stand forever. Just as you saw that stone was cut from a mountain by no human hands that broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. A dream is certain, and the interpretation is for sure. So we have kingdoms that will comply super quick. Look at this royalty. Nebuchadnezzar has no choice but to say, dude, you're right. And this is how he kind of says it here. King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face, paid homage to who? Yeah. E, y'all see a problem with that? Ryan, what's the problem with that, man? A homage should have been to God because Daniel's told him all along, this is where it comes from. It comes from God, not me. And he paid homage to Daniel, commanded that the offerings and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors, many great gifts, made him ruler over the province of Babylon, chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request to the king and said, Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abrendagel were praying with me. Help them out too. After the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel remained in the king's court. So you see... Nebuchadnezzar had no choice but to say, dude, your God's awesome. And that's what God wants to do in your life. But do we have the guts to really just stay on this side, no matter how bleak it looks? To stay with him where it requires faith, knowing that God's going to come through because he wants us to be able to please him. He's put us in that impossible situation. We've got to stay there. That's why he says obstacles become opportunities when you trust an omnipotent God. That's all I've got to say about that, no. <laughs> in the famous words of Forrest Gump. Yeah. So help me out, so you can remember this, all right? So, so at the very beginning, all right, you guys remember the whole thing? Is there anybody that remembers? Destin, do you remember the whole thing? Oh, you're like, don't pick me out. What if Jack did it with you, man? No. <laughs> Is there anybody that knows the whole thing? Come on, man. All right, so just help me out, and then I'll give you a chance, All right. So we have a secular side, lucrative lie, Chaldean cry, decree to die, obstacles. A timely try by a godly guy who knew a God to glorify. Opportunities, kingdoms that will comply. Royalty that will reply, God is omnipotent. God is omnipotent. So which side are you going to invest in? Boy, is the world not trying to get you to invest in them right now? all sides right now invest in the kingdom let's pray father thank you for loving us thank you for this chapter thanks i needed the diversion if no one else needed the diversion of this chapter for the last three weeks i have needed you to show me that you have given me everything and none of it did i deserve and the least I can do, it's not even a sacrifice, because a sacrifice is where I give up more than I get back. I can't even call it even close to a sacrifice. But the most prudent thing, the smartest thing, the wisest thing, the most godly thing, the most awesome, beneficial thing, the most loving thing would be to surrender everything I know about myself to everything I know about you and pour my life into your kingdom. No matter what that does, to my status in this kingdom, because this kingdom is going to be blown away and destroyed like the chaff blown away by the wind. So, Father, help us, starting with me, to see where you have us and what you have us doing with every encounter we have, knowing it is a divine encounter to help someone see life from your perspective. Help us to understand the only way we can do that is by us seeing life from your perspective. And help us to invest every ounce of everything we have into you so we can encourage others to do the same. Because one day, when the payoff comes through, we'll have wished that we'd invested more. Father, help us invest it all into you and encourage everyone to do the same and if there's someone here that's never truly given their life to christ they don't know that when they die they're going to heaven they don't know that they can't pay for their sins the only one who can take them to heaven and take away their sins is jesus father just make all that make sense help them to understand that if they just surrender themselves to you you take care of the rest and they can trust you and they can be in that final kingdom thank you for that truth I pray for these things in Jesus' name.